Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Elisa Covington. Elisa is a founder of Transform Real Estate. She left her nine to five job and now makes $100,000 at least per deal in the Bay Area. She's also a speaker around various real estate clubs, offering information and mentoring other people. Elisa, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us who you are. Sure. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm a house flipper in the Bay Area and I, I'm pretty new in the business. I've been only doing this for about two years, mm-hmm. but in the most interesting, most challenging and empowering two years of my life, mm-hmm. and what I do. Wow. Just a little bit of background. Like Elisa has been killing it. Like her <laughs> reputation in the Bay Area flipping community has totally skyrocketed and everybody that I talk to knows who she is and I always seek out Elisa for advice. Like she's doing really well right now. Oh, thank you so much for the kind words. Definitely. Lisa, how'd you get started into real estate? So long story short, I started by purchasing my first home mm-hmm. and some house hacking and then purchased my first rental property. So I remodeled both my first home and the rental property. Okay. Process, I realized that I really enjoy the... Um, the rehab process where I get to design the layout of mm-hmm. the home and then picking out finishing materials, create a beautiful home for the next buyer. Mm-hmm. How I decided that house flipping could be a career for me. Wow. Uh, how long ago was this? My first home? Yeah. My first home was in 2012. 2012. How's the market back in 2012? It was really, really good time to buy. (laughs) I wish I bought more at the time. It was pretty much at the rock bottom of the Mm -hmm. real estate market. Oh, wow. I was able to, so my first home actually appreciated by like 80% in value in four years time. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. This is all in the Bay Area, right? In San Francisco, yeah. Okay, in San Francisco. Rental were both in San Francisco, one in the south of Market, another in south of uh, South Beach of San Francisco. Okay, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, before you got into real estate, what were you doing before for your, for your nine to five? I worked for Verizon. I was doing online advertising, pricing strategy for mm-hmm. Verizon. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's really cool. I mean, when you first got into real estate and you first got into your first flip project on your own, like, did you have any mentorships? Did you, how did you seek out help? I, so I started by going to a lot of networking events. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a lot of experienced investors and new investors. Mm-hmm. It was a really good way for me to, to build my network. And I was able to find my mentor. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really great. I mean, what kind of questions did you ask people in order to find your mentor? Because I get that question a lot when people come to my real estate meetup. It's like, 
I want to mentor, I want to mentor, but I realize that most people don't know the right questions to ask. Like, how did you vet and how did you, what kind of questions did you ask these random people to find your mentor? Um, I, I just went to, like, when I went to networking events, mm-hmm. there are usually guest speakers. Okay. And if I like what they talk about, if mm-hmm. I'm interested in the strategies that they use, mm-hmm. then after the event, I usually talk to them mm-hmm. and then also follow up with a phone call or with an email okay. to keep the connection going. Okay, great. I mean, that's a really good approach to finding a mentor. Um, I think that in most cases, like people have trouble f- having mentors to accept them. Like, did you offer the mentors any value of your time? Any, did you, it was a two way street type of thing where you offer them like, Hey, let me help you find a deal. And in turn, can you mentor me through this deal or how'd you structure it? So how it worked was, um, my mentor is a great guy, John Paiva. He's a big name. Wow. He's the most genuine person I know one of the most genuine person people I know. So he was just really, really kind to offer his time to a lot of new investors. Mm-hmm. I think mentors probably 10 people at a time. Wow. And it, it's all free mentorship. Mm-hmm. wasn't asking anything for return. That's really and great. When I found my first deal, I just mm-hmm. I asked him if he could partner with me on the deal. Okay. Um, give me some advice and mm-hmm. guidance in exchange of um, part of the profit. So okay. that's how it worked. I think, yeah, honestly, that's the best approach too. Um, mm-hmm. I do something similar too. Whenever I want to work with people that I admire, I always come to them with the deal. I was like, hey, yeah. I want to see your style. Let's partner up and we'll split the profit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm down to put some skin in the game and learn as much as I can with you. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. So let's jump forward to your first deal. I know you did a video on this recently. So this is definitely a refresher. Yeah. Um, can you walk us through your first deal and, and like what kind of numbers were we looking at? Where was the property and how did you find the deal? Sure. It was a deal in San Jose. Mm-hmm. It was a, an older home that's over 100 years old in oh. the Park area okay. in downtown San Jose. So... Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of home buyers that are looking in that area really like the older homes. And so the home value in that area is actually higher than the rest of San Jose. Okay. I was able to purchase the property for a million dollars. Okay. About a hundred thousand into it. Mm-hmm. But it took a little longer than I than I thought. And mm-hmm. also the budget went up as as we went along, and yeah. when I finally sold the property after about six six months, I think. Okay. And I made about eighty thousand dollars. That's not bad in your first deal. <laughs> it was a lot, a lot of stress, though. Uh-huh. Um, less than what I expected, and mm-hmm. also took longer. The process was painful. Yeah. Made mistakes and got taken advantage by the contractor <laughs> so it was, it, it was not the best experience but I did learn a lot 
and you're talking and you're saying this experience didn't deter you away from real estate. You're like, oh, look at all the bad experiences I, I had. I think it was all it all thanks to my mentor. If it okay. wasn't for my mentor, I probably would have lost money in the mm-hmm. deal and also not want to touch real estate ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah. good. That. I mean, it's, it, I always think of it this way is like you never quite lose anything, you just get smarter. Mm-hmm. Even if you yeah. lose money, you get smarter. Even if you make money, you still get smarter. <laughs> you always have something yeah. to do. You really, you need to always learn from your mistakes and mm-hmm. then grow stronger. Okay, let's talk about your mistakes then. Like, what kind of mistakes did you make? On this deal? Mm-hmm. I think it was the contractor selection was mm-hmm. my contractor was not the, the best. So mm-hmm. he was kind of, um, after the project started, he mm-hmm. tried to get more money out of the out of the deal so mm-hmm. he said some items that we talked about earlier was mm-hmm. not included and then right. and then he tried to tell me that parts parts of the house were not permitted okay were not legal but they were mm-hmm. so and he i had to hire a structural engineer okay look at the structure based on his request and okay. the structural engineer was actually his buddy what? <laughs> wow. and that's how the project was delayed mm-hmm. he also took on so many projects at the time mm-hmm. so um he couldn't finish by the time frame that he told me that's that crazy but that's it's crazy. typical <laughs> yeah it's very typical that Contractors do that. They delay mm-hmm. on projects and they, the budget just gets mm-hmm. more and more. Yeah, it just blows up. And you're like, wow, how did all this happen? I was so optimistic two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's really um, difficult, especially for new investors because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing. You mm-hmm. don't know how to manage contractors or how to make sure the budget is includes everything. I just didn't have the experience. Okay. So knowing what you know now, like how do you find your contractors for your projects? So I have a really good contractor now, which mm-hmm. I found through referral. I think okay. if you can find someone through other people, through people that you know and trust, so usually they, they, they do good work. Mm-hmm. And that's why people you trust like them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, I have a pretty good bonus system with my contractor. Okay. If they finish work before the deadline, then they get bonus per day. Mm-hmm. But vice versa, if they delay the project, there is a penalty. That's really smart. I like that a lot too. That's something that we started implementing our projects, a bonus structure. Yeah. A similar story to you, like contractor keeps on doing the wrong work or they walk off or yeah. using contractors like three times during a project. So like, yeah. ow, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, how do you usually structure how, how, I mean, and how, how do you usually decide how you're going to pay a contractor? Like, do you pay them for the labor or do you pay the material up front? Like, how do you manage? Every contractor is different. So, with my contractor, it's all inclusive. So oh, it, wow. 
labor and materials. Okay. And you got a sweet deal. Something more expensive, then we'll have to add the the difference. But Mm. yeah, I like this because I don't have to worry about how much I'm spending on materials, Mm -hmm. how much I'm spending on labor. And I, I also don't have to go to the store to shop for rough materials yeah that's wow you you definitely found the hack to flipping (laughs) (laughs) really cool in terms of how do you manage this contractor do you you guys always in constant communication you're calling texting or do you just trust them completely just handle it and make it look nice it depends on the the face of the project in Mm -hmm. the beginning yes we have a lot of communication in terms of what's expected, what I want to be done to Mm -hmm. a house. And after, and then the next phase would be after the rough inspection is all done, we're putting in finishing materials. That's when I'd like to pick out finishing materials myself, like the Mm -hmm. backsplash, floor colors, that kind of things. So that's when I'm a little more involved. Okay. Wow. That's, that's really cool. I mean, that sounds like you have everything in place. I'm like getting you really inspired. Just listening to you right now for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to run this efficient business, but you also want to have a good work-life balance. You don't want yep. to have to be on the job side all the time. I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, flipping, flipping can easily be a full-time job. Yeah. It can usually bring a lot of stress to you. So this is like the side of things where I think most people get into real estate don't realize. But once you, you understand the system and the game, you play it correctly, like it can give you the work-life balance that you, that you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Definitely. So let's talk about how you keep yourself motivated. <laughs> so I think the way I, I feel motivated is mm-hmm. I a lot of networking events mm-hmm. when you surround yourself with very successful other investors like yourself and when you just meet with other new investors or mm-hmm. experienced investors and learn about what other people do listen to podcasts like this one and um, read about other real estate strategies then mm-hmm. you just become smarter and you feel motivated. Definitely. Do you practice any morning routines, affirmation, meditation? I know like real estate, yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a morning person, so <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really do those things, but I, I do work out every day. Okay. So That's that cool. helps to de-stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems to be a common theme among everyone I interview for the podcast. I'm like, how do you guys de-stress? They're like, oh, we all work out. That's the best yeah. time we have to meditate too. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, so let's let's jump into your best deal. Like, what is the best deal have you done in the last two years? And okay. what went so right about it? It's actually my last, the last properties. Uh, the last property I sold in Cupertino. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that wow. was my first deal in the high-end market. Okay. The sale price was over $2 million. Whoa. Yeah. So it was a little scary. Mm-hmm. Putting so much money into one project. 
Mm-hmm. But then it turned out really, the result was really good. Okay. I mean, what, what was the purchase price for that one? I bought it for 1.75. That's pretty high. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> yeah, my deals are around $1 million, but this, uh-huh. because it's in Cupertino, it's very desirable, mm-hmm. top school district. So mm-hmm. I decided to splurge a little bit. Okay. And put in about 130000 into the flip. Okay. And sold the, the house for 2.375. That's pretty good. Damn, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I think I saw a post on Facebook. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Congrats. Thanks. Um, so most of the podcast is to help people get started into investing. And obviously flipping super, super popular. Can you talk a little bit about how you get your deals? Like how do you find these off-market deals or deals that come your way and create your pipeline? Yeah, so I find deals all through real estate agents. Wow. So they, I build a good network of agents. Mm-hmm. And when they come across fixer-uppers, usually off-market pocket listings, okay. help me and then we just make deals happen. That's, that's, that's crazy. And how do you find these like agents to call and reach? When I f- was starting out, I was just using Redfin. <laughs> I was just Redfin? going off of the active wow. listings on Redfin. Yeah, that's it, amazing. You can do it more strategically. You can uh-huh. go to agents that, are, that have a lot of sales. Mm-hmm. But when I was starting out, I didn't know that much. I just I went the, the really simple route. That's that's really simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody has access to Redfin. Okay, yeah. well, that's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you cold call them? Do you email them? Like, how do you reach out to them? Yes, I cold called a lot of agents. Okay. Agents. Hundreds of agents. Yes. We were talking about like 10 or 15 a day? Uh, yeah, at least. Okay. Um, and do you call 15 agents or do you call 15 until all 15 pick up? I call... The 15 is uh, 15 agents who I talk to uh-huh. and agree to work with me. Okay, okay. That's my network. Okay, yeah. that's, that's really cool. A lot cool. of agents don't pick up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or yeah. like super angry. They're like, how'd you find my number? I'm like, <laughs> Dude, don't you want to work with me? I want to pay you. <laughs> what do you say mean? Yeah. That's really cool. So, I mean, you call hundreds of agents and now I'm assuming like you work with like a handful of agents that you now trust. Is that correct? I've worked with a lot of agents actually. I've worked with more than a dozen agents now. Mm -hmm. And I've worked, a couple agents I've worked with repeatedly, but Mm -hmm. most of them are just one-off deals because it's very hard for even the best agents to come across fixer offers. Yeah. So come across those all the time. Mm-hmm. Like once a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you need a big network in order to have a constant deal flow. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it sounds like you have every piece of the puzzle. I love it. I love this. <laughs> so work, work in progress. It's, I still have a lot to, to improve on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, let's talk about your real estate goals. Where do, you, where do you see yourself at the end of next year? And where do you see yourself five years from now? 
Sure. Um, I think this year is going to be my first seven-figure year. Wow, congrats. That's the goal financially Mm -hmm. in terms of um, business growth. I'm trying a little different things this year. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, I did the first deal in the higher high-end market. Mm-hmm. You know? And out of the two, two out of the three deals I have in the pipeline are not in the South Bay. So my usual territory is in the South Bay. And those two deals are one is in the peninsula and another is in San Francisco. So okay. that's a different area. Mm-hmm. And with the, deal in Peninsula, I'm actually adding 300 square feet. Wow. Converting part of the garage. So mm-hmm. that's something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. That's- and the house in San-, San Francisco is in the high-end market again. It's mm-hmm. going to be over $2 million. Wow, you're killing it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Love it. Yeah, just trying something new, trying something different so mm-hmm. I can learn different things. Definitely. I think when it comes down to starting out, a lot of people always ask me like, how do I run comps in houses? And a lot of times I agree with them. There's so many different techniques that different flippers use. A lot of people, a lot of flippers only use Redfin. Mm-hmm. A lot of flippers use like recent sales and MLS. Like, How do you run your comps? The first step is I use Zillow. So on Zillow, I don't look at the the estimate or whatever they have as yeah. the, the estimate, but I use the map they have mm-hmm. where they show, you can see all the recent sales in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I check out those probably within a quarter mile radius. Okay. And make sure all the comps I use are of the same school district. Oh, school district. That's your criteria. And also, you want to make sure the comps you use are in the same small area. There are no major like train tracks separating them or mm-hmm. streets or freeway. So mm-hmm. if there are freeways or main busy streets, then it could be a very different neighborhood. I absolutely agree with that. That's, that's really cool. I mean, how, how recent do you look at those recent sales? Like, is it the last three months, six months, year? I like comps that are very recent, like within mm-hmm. the last two months, two, three months. Mm-hmm. And only if I can't find comps that are very good comps that are recent, mm-hmm. then I go out a little further. Okay. Because of the dip in the market last year, mm-hmm. I would go out a little further. I wouldn't look at comps that are from early 2018 because that's when the market was at the peak. So mm-hmm. I would go out a little further to the summer of 2017 or wow. even earlier to make sure that the prices are not too much higher than what it was back then. Okay. Well, that's, those are really good tips. You and I never thought of that. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate when you don't have enough comps, you just have to be creative. You also want to make adjustments on houses that are a lot bigger or a lot smaller mm-hmm. to, to see if the numbers work. Yeah, definitely. I know like for myself, flipping in Oakland, I always have a lot of trouble finding comps because the houses yeah. in Oakland are like new, old, different sizes. Some uh-huh. have parking, some don't have parking. Yeah. 
So it's not as simple as like other areas. Mm-hmm. So like, I totally understand like the importance of like going all the way back to like 2016 or 17. Look at the comps and like, okay, what is it, what is it, what did it sell for before? I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what real estate advice do you have to give someone that's just starting out in real estate? Get started as soon as possible. Start as soon as possible. The you get started, the sooner you start learning mm-hmm. and you get on the track. So, okay. yeah, I wish I started earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. And also take massive action. Really, mm-hmm. in the beginning, there's no way around. You just have to put in the dirty work. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so, your tips are just take action and start earlier. But a lot of people like face that fear. Like, it's like, wow, it is a lot of money to be involved. A lot of money to be risk. Mm-hmm. It's very scary for me too. When I was starting out, it was really difficult to make an offer. Mm-hmm. Home prices are so high in this area. It's usually mm-hmm. around $1 million. So mm-hmm. a lot of money is at stake. And yeah. you have a good mentor who can guide you and run your deals by, then you can reduce your risk by a lot. Definitely agree. I mean, how easy it is for you right now to like put an offer in a deal that you haven't looked at yet. Like, would you make blind offers without looking at the houses or do you always have to drive out there? Huh? <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Most of the time I make offers sight unseen, but mm-hmm. subject to a short contingency. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of times, because the market is competitive, mm-hmm. if you have to go out there to look at a property mm-hmm. or making an offer, you waste some time. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of properties I make offer on, I don't get. Like okay. probably 80% of the properties I make mm-hmm. offer on, I actually don't get them. Mm-hmm. So by making offers without seeing them, I save a lot of time. Okay, that's good. I mean, let's say, for example, that you get a, get a contract accepted. What are the first five things that hit your mind? It's like, okay, I need to have my contractor ready. I need to get all my hard money ready. I need to get all my insurance ready. Like, what's mm-hmm. the first five thoughts you get when you get a house under contract? You pretty much touched on everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. If mm-hmm. you want to like um, add square footage, mm-hmm. then you probably want to have the architect ready. Okay. Even before you own the house, you mm-hmm. want them to be able to start as early as possible to save time. So when you finally own the home, you can just start the work. Oh, wow. That's, that's really cool. I, I was wondering if we had different approaches. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> My results are not your results. So I'm like, hmm, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> it's also um, the market that you you work in. Mm-hmm. You are probably focused in the East Bay, right? Yeah, East Bay. It's a little, it's very different. I'm yeah. scared to go to the East Bay. <laughs> I, I can only afford the East Bay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like with smaller profit margin, it's, that's usually the case. When you are playing with bigger numbers, the margin mm-hmm. you expect to be bigger too because there's more risk. 
Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Do you currently own any rental properties right now? I just started an Airbnb in mm-hmm. downtown San Jose. So okay. it's, it's working really well. I really am really glad that, um, so it's a single family home. Mm-hmm. I bought for six twenty five. That's really good. Um, and the unit in the back, so it's a, the master bedroom actually has a separate entrance in the back. Mm-hmm. So divide the, the single family home into two units, mm-hmm. bedroom, one bath in the front and the one bedroom, one bath in the back. Okay. Two units, I'm getting about, uh, over $8,000 a month. Jeez Louise. <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing. Compared mm-hmm. to like if I were to do a regular unfurnished long-term rental, uh-huh. I get $4,500 a month. Okay. And you rent out each of the bedrooms individually, right? Or is the entire house? If I rent out the entire house unfurnished okay. long-term, probably mm-hmm. $500 a month. Okay. Wow. That's sounds like Airbnb is the <laughs> place to be. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Okay. Wow. That's, that's really good. Um, so I guess as we're ending the podcast, if you were to start over in real estate, what, what, would, what would you have done differently? Like I mentioned, I would start, start earlier. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um, the market a few years back, the market mm-hmm. was going up like crazy. And yeah. Yeah was able to take advantage of that momentum mm-hmm. that would have been awesome. But the first thing to me is to build your network. Mm-hmm. Your network is your net worth. When you I have agree. a big network of agents that you mm-hmm. work with, a network of real estate, other real estate investors that mm-hmm. you hang out with, that you learn from, mm-hmm. it really can help you a lot in the process. Okay. Wow. Do you have any like mastermind groups that you do with anyone in terms of mentorship? Not currently. Not currently? Yeah, but I do like a lot of networking events mm-hmm. around the, the area that I I go to like three or four of them mm-hmm. a month usually. Okay, uh, that's really good. Nice. I guess the last question is, what's your favorite book? I like the, in terms of real estate investing, I like mm-hmm. the book, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it really covers so many different aspects of the business. Mm-hmm. You can learn about everything from that one book. Okay. I highly recommend it. Okay, awesome. And Elisa, how can we find out more about you? <laughs> so I have an Instagram account where I share tips and tricks, before and after photos, project updates, and you can follow me there at Transform Real Estate. Also a Facebook page, the same Transform Real Estate, and I have a company website, transformrealestate.com. Awesome. appreciate your time, Melissa. We learned a lot today. Thank you for having you on the show. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.